Good morning, man. We have a lot of ground to cover on Carry On Guns this morning. We kick it off with Larry Whalen from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. Good morning, Gary. Good morning, sir. And you are not alone. Oh, hey, Nate. No, no. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's... Belt Boy. <laughs> Good to be here this morning, Gary. Thanks for having me. Belt Boy. Yeah. I'd like to be... to be on Gary's gun. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, that's why we like Belt Boy. You know what, uh, though, Gary? I, I have something of my own for you. Uh, I would like to try the gay lifestyle. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> we call this a nuclear deterrent. We both destroy each other. <laughs> uh, there's one problem with your nuclear deterrent. I can play your piece. All week long. All week long. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but... Uh, if you can looking... play your piece all... What? What was that, Gary? I, I can't uh, Did you it. catch that one? Yeah, I Good. <laughs> Replay that one. That's awesome. <laughs> We're off to a bad start. It's 90 <laughs> seconds in. <laughs> We've already lost everything. Bellboy had to leave suddenly. His microphone <laughs> off and he is gone. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Hey, look, if you're look if you're a concealed carry permit holder and uh, you want a belt that will really hold up, won't curl... Won't stretch, won't shred, don't get leather. Get, get a super belt. Get a super belt. Uh, and you can uh, you can actually order a super belt at uh, that place over... Uh, On the yeah, Modern Arms, Brown Station. Brown location. Station location. Yeah. yeah. And, and if you go to Larry's shop, you'll get a discount. Discount code. Is this a real discount or is this the Scott Van? No, no, no. This no, is, this no, is legitimate. We, you we make the price money. go down <laughs> instead of Scott's going up. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Lord. Uh, all right, we've got uh, Alec Baldwin in the news. Chicago had a, a gun tips program that <laughs> didn't work out the way they thought it would. <laughs> Shocking. Uh, who, is, who would be surprised at all that? Uh, David Chipman couldn't uh, define assault weapons to the Senate, uh, but he's got an idea what it is anyway. Anyway, we'll get to that. Um, there was a, uh, from the National Shooting Sports Foundation, uh, they talk about uh, Smith & Wesson's uh, public statement ending uh, this blame game on guns. Uh, the Giffords have opened a uh, Florida office. We'll talk about that. Uh, manufacturers of uh, AR-style rifles would see a 20% tax under a bill that's being proposed. And we've got several more on top of that. But first, we go to Alec Baldwin uh, talking about the the uh, shooting that uh, happened on the set of his movie. I never once said, never, that the gun went off in my hand automatically. I always said I pulled the hammer back, and I pulled it back as far as I could. I never took a gun and pointed at somebody and clicked the thing. While waiting for the results of the Santa Fe County Sheriff's Office investigation, Baldwin says he hired his own investigator. That private... So... Uh, and I got quizzed, uh, Jennifer Bukowski, good friend of the show, terrific attorney, fill-in uh, talk show host. She and I were talking about this uh, last Tuesday, and she said, uh, I'd mentioned that I would never point a gun at anyone. Uh, and she said, well, you're in a movie, you're an actor, and they, uh, they tell you to. And I'm thinking there are all kinds of camera angles and tricks they could pull. I would be terrified. I, it's just so ingrained in me. Am I out of line with this, that you would not point a gun at somebody and pull the trigger, whether you thought it was a dummy round or not? I don't think you're out of line at all. I mean, it, it's just the, the basic uh, rules of, of, of firearms handling. And I don't know, you know, it seems like Mr. Baldwin is um, certainly uh, trying to deny culpability in this, but 
he was holding the gun and a person was shot. Um, that means he shot somebody. That's that's yeah. uh, a pretty pretty short path in in well, my mind. If I but, hand you a firearm, like we're sitting on the thing, if I just hand you a firearm, what's the first thing you do? I'm gonna I'm gonna check and make yeah, sure you're gonna, yeah. make sure there's still yeah. rounds in it. 100. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And even at that, uh, and we do this all the time. We pass a firearm around the table. Right. Uh, the first thing we do is make sure that it's empty. We yeah. never pointed it, even when you've inspected it and you know it. You still don't point it at people. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I I think that uh, if he pointed it at her, and he's also alleging he didn't point it at her, mm. and I'm wondering how he that round bullet got to her. <laughs> yeah, he curved the bullet. Yeah. Um, Hannah Reed handed the gun to Halls and said, "Don't give it to Alec until I get back to the set. I got to do something else." He proceeded to the set, handed me the gun. Uh, Baldwin said uh, Gutierrez Reed uh, should have known the difference between dummy rounds, uh, which make a rattling sound, and live rounds. I mean, anybody on earth who works in that business can determine that, Baldwin said. Uh, the FBI found over 150 live rounds on the set, uh, and they were mixed with dummy rounds. Uh, what was the provenance of all the real bullets on the set? Uh, where did they come from? Uh, we don't know. Uh, the FBI final report on the accidental shooting determined the trigger on the revolver that Baldwin held had to be pressed in order for it to fire. Baldwin keeps saying the gun just went off. He pulled the hammer back on the revolver. The FBI says in its test that with the gun, it was unable to get it to fire unless the trigger was pulled. Uh, and he denies, of course, pointing the gun at anyone. So, Larry, let me ask you. Uh, some revolvers, you can pull them back just before they lock, release the hammer, and there's enough force to fire around. Yeah, okay. the, the, an early uh, single-action Colt design um, is, is capable of, of that um, with a, a broken uh, part inside. Um, I, 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 I'm not a... I, I I don't know if you can do that. I I, yeah. I I guess I'm a little naive to that, but I know no revolver um, I've ever handled on the, well. the single action armies. Um, you know, cocking the hammer back typically four clicks on a Colt yeah. uh, to that locked position, and then the the single action trigger. Mm. Um, you know, those guns had uh, hammer mounted. Or I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, hammer mounted firing pins. So if that hammer gets dropped and there's nothing mechanically to stop the hammer, mm. I can see how that could 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 fire uh, again a little naive to the 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 intricacies of of what model they were using but um any in any event uh, if we don't point it at somebody um can't hurt anybody can't hurt anybody so um yeah there's still yeah i, I don't see i, I understand i understand he's trying to defend himself and he's yeah. looking for something but He's just, not saying anything. He's just reading what his lawyer is yeah, for him to say. Yeah, <laughs> lean on the fact, well, I cocked the hammer, but I never pulled the trigger. <laughs> eh, you still were pointing at, uh, at yeah, somebody that died. So, um, Can you define what is, is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Bill Clinton. Looking, <laughs> in the yeah, studio. looking to split a few hairs there, I guess. I don't know. It's uh, yeah, yeah, but, uh, but I maintain tragedy. that n none of us uh, would have uh, pointed the gun uh, at anybody. You just yeah. don't yeah. do it. And you know, they've got all those camera angles that can make it look like you are. Uh, they, or, it was, yeah. Just use a real firearm when there's nobody there, you know. And I don't even know why they'd have real, with all the special effects now, why would they even have, would live, even have rounds? Live, live rounds? Yeah, ever. On a set. Yeah. ever. Some yeah, TV shows, 
uh, have uh, gotten away from real guns. They use plastic guns. I don't know how they pull that off, but that's what they do. Uh, and that's uh, the result of all of this. Uh, very quick, right around the table here. Uh, do you think he stands to, uh, well, will they press charges? Um, we have a, a definitely a, a multi-tiered uh, justice system. <laughs> um, he's uh, typically very liberal, so I think it's it's not white privilege. It's liberal privilege mm. that he'll probably skate on. Well, and the the tier also comes down with how wealthy you are, right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, um, even if they did press charges, I can't imagine him doing anything other than maybe paying a fine or yeah. a slap on the wrist. Yeah, I don't see them. I don't even see them pressing charges. Uh, they they did test the gun, and a, it wouldn't fire until you pulled the uh, the trigger. You'd think it would be cut and dried. But there are some other variables, too. Like, why would there be a live round in there? I don't yep. think he put it in. I, I think the uh, the young lady who was in charge of that made a mistake. Uh, and I would think that on a set where you were shooting guns, because uh, it's a Western, that sort of thing, that you would prohibit live rounds from being there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm sure there's a protocol so. <laughs> that, that would that would enumerate that. Oh, yeah, geez. that... that uh that's that's negligent beyond belief. Um, you know the the couple times that I've assisted or uh, been been a role player for uh, some some munitions um, training. Um, the the protocols for searching um, all of the individuals involved, all of the role players. Uh, for for live ammo was I mean it was virtually a strip search for oh, you know wow. knives and, and guns and anything that that would be lethal right. um, for for that simunition yeah. um, training exercise they were you know it was a very diligent protocol mm -hmm. uh, for isolating um, you know all yeah. of the, all of the live rounds out of out yeah. of out of the arena shouldn't even be there. Yep. All right. Well, listen, we've got a lot of ground to cover on today's program. We invite you to join us. Uh, and uh, you can send me a message. Go to uh, GaryNolan.com. It'll pop up right here in the studio. Uh, in a few seconds, uh, we will rejoin uh, Belt Boy, the Super Belt, <laughs> uh, and uh, Larry Wayland at Modern Arms. The Brown, at the Brown Station, Station location. location. And I am with Larry Wayland from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. And, of course, Belt Boy is on board, thesuperbelt.com. Is it thesuperbelt.com? I always... It is thesuperbelt.com. I just have it saved. And, and I don't know why I've saved it. <laughs> because you'll really? never wear you'll, the belt well, out. Yeah, That's you'll never the buy problem. another one, so... I, <laughs> I saved it, uh, and and now I've got uh, two belts. i got one for a uh, dress that's a little narrower and looks good under a suit, looks fine. Uh, and then the other one, of course, is for blue jeans and, and casual wear. And... I never go back because you'll you'll never need to replace it. Yeah, that's the idea. And we've got a we've got a new super belt wearer now too. Mister uh, Brian Hansen over there is rocking his and looking great at it. I turned in my core. Yeah, just a little while ago. <laughs> I wish we could show this thing. He was literally hanging on by a thread. Like this poor oh, belt was just ready to give up the ghost. I tried to tow a couple of trucks and it didn't work out. Very well. <laughs> you couldn't tow a Tonka truck with that. <laughs> you can now, Brian. You can now. And and by the way, he doesn't look good wearing it. He just. <laughs> I'm sorry, he just doesn't look good. Well, thank you for measuring my inseam. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'll, I'll be happy to do that in person. <laughs>
<laughs> did, did he really? Well, <laughs> seems like a weird procedure to buy a belt. Yeah. <laughs> whatever you guys are into. I don't, I don't know. I was watching him. I thought maybe he was going to, you know, get on an airplane, <laughs> roping him in all kinds of places. But anyway, oh, uh, that belt is absolutely fabulous. You can bleach it and sterilize it, and it just it doesn't change color. It, yep. Uh, so I'm I'm going to just uh, take the website off my favorites list. I don't, <laughs> I don't need it anymore. Well, you could share it with your friends. You know, yeah. it's kind of like planned obsolescence. I know every uh, everybody else is trying to build stuff that is going to intentionally break on you in a certain amount of time. Like I just had something that broke four days after the warranty expired. I nice. thought that was very convenient. <laughs> yes, and that is never going to happen because we have a lifetime warranty, so you don't have to worry about that. There is no engineered obsolescence. The dang thing is engineered to last for. Actually, ever. what what he's counting on is people putting on a ton of weight. <laughs> That'd be the only reason you have to replace yeah, it. Yeah, that is true. The only reason I, have to, I actually even offer a free service where I have people mail me back their belts when they lose weight, uh -huh. and it's been incredibly popular. I've done this for like twenty or thirty people now. Nice. And so all I ask them is to pay for the shipping, and then I do the labor for free, and they send them back. If they lose more than like forty pounds, I can cut off the buckle end and shorten the whole belt. Nice. And I've ha I've had a bunch of guys do this. It's been fantastic to get to help support their weight loss goals. I too. didn't even know that existed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can totally do that for you. Huh. Uh, not you. Well, no, I, I, I could never lose 40 pounds. <laughs> I mean, I've lost 40 pounds, but it's, you know, one on, three off, five on, three off. It's a process. Five on, three off. I've lost over 150 pounds, but actually way more now. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh. For a while, he was half the man he used to be. <laughs> put all the weight back on. Uh, all right, so in Chicago, uh, Mayor Lightfoot decided that she was going to get guns off the street. <laughs> uh -huh. And she put up $1 million. Now, I don't know how much they were uh, paying out uh, per gun, uh, but it's this process has been up. This policy has been out. It's been there for a year. And they've given out $10,000 of that $1 million. <laughs> Under pressure to address skyrocketing street crime last summer, Mayor Lori Lightfoot announced a million-dollar reward program for people who report illegal guns. Um, $10,000? Really? I, I don't know how much they're paying, but it doesn't seem to me like that would be enough to clean up the streets of Chicago. <laughs> huh, and it just was a rat line, rat, rat on your neighbor? Is that... Yeah, essentially that was uh, that was it. Nice. Now, I think that ties in with uh, the president of Smith and Wesson, uh, the CEO Mark Smith. He so, published. So proud of his stand on that. <laughs> Did you you read it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, they they were they were you know asked to come and testify in in front of Congress, and uh, they they took a, a pretty um, realistic approach to it, and uh, you know the the. The legislators want to blame the, the the guns and the gun industry for crime, mm -hmm. and he pretty much flipped that on them and and said, you know, the guns are are built for law abiding citizens, yep. and you guys are so soft on crime, you've created a huge problem because you don't hold criminals accountable for their criminal acts. Mm -hmm. I have one response to that every time, and that spoons made me fat. Yeah, every time. Yeah. That's the that's the best response I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, it doesn't make sense to, to blame the firearm. Um, and and I thought he made the case uh, pretty clearly. 
But I don't think that stops the left. Well, it doesn't. They just shut him down during the, during the hearing and had to, you know, send send in written testimony because they wouldn't allow him to speak because he wasn't, um, you know, and he wasn't going to share vital um, sales and and profit numbers with them because what what is the what is the profit margin of one company on one one segment of have to do with with creating legislation? Yeah, it, no it's sense. all just about um, you know political theater and and getting. Uh, you know, forcing companies to come and testify um, just to, to create a narrative for, for the lawmakers. You know, I've been hosting this program now for, I don't know, 10 years. And, Larry, I know that you have been in the industry for way longer than that. Ouch. Way longer. Probably <laughs> 70, 75 years. I mean, he was actually flintlocks when he got into business. That's what we call you, modern, yeah. That's you, where the modern came from. <laughs> no more of these fuse fire weapons. We're using flint now. And he'd ring that bell. It was really great. Oh, man. So, anyway, so have you ever seen an ad that implied you could use this gun to go out and murder people? No. No, no. It's, but it's, that's what. <laughs> but they're looking at the advertising, and trying to imply that these gun manufacturers and their advertising campaigns are partly responsible well, for these. Yeah, for these yeah. deaths, they're not. I've, I, correct me if I'm, I've only seen two ad campaigns for firearms ever. That's either hunting related or self defense related. Those are the only two things I've ever. And those seen. those are the messages that that the yeah. marketing uh, marketing departments use. That's what we're yeah. focused on. Yeah. yeah, we either want to hunt an animal for delicious sport, or we want to protect ourselves. Yeah, that's it. So, and, and they and they want uh, records of advertisements, and uh, they want to you know do a deep dive into this. And I have never, and apparently none of us have, seen an ad that would imply, even vaguely, that you could use this to go out and kill people. It's just, it's just not what they do. But they're trying to vilify the industry and trying to make the case that they're responsible. So they have to, you know, tie in how that communication gets made, and that's why they're going after the uh, the ad campaigns. Well, did they bring in anybody from Hollywood? Did they bring in anybody from the video game <laughs> manufacturers? Oh. I mean, like, they yeah. actually show advertisements of using firearms to kill people. Like, that is 80% of Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. That's the trailer the, for every we're movie. Like, we're angry at the Smith & Wesson people for making the actual gun. But we're not angry at any of the people that actually show you how to kill people. No, no, no. That's Those guys are okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, we can't go after them. They're the supporters. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah they pay all the bills <laughs> so yeah so they're gonna get they'll be they'll be totally immune oh. uh but anyway i thought he did a terrific job he made some valid points and uh they will be sadly ignored largely by people on the left they will continue to vilify the firearms industry well and, and part of that that left's narrative is is to get um Gun makers tied up in court defending themselves against criminals misusing their gun mm -hmm. and and people being able to sue the manufacturer of the firearm right. that the criminal chose right. to, to to create a criminal act, um, which that protection needs to stay in place because it it yeah that's how they bankrupt that, that, that's how that's how they can bankrupt the firearms industry. Yep, you can lose even if you win. Yeah. Right. All right, you're listening to Gary on Gun. Good morning. Glad to have you with us. Coming up about, well, not about exactly one hour from now, 
We'll be talking about uh, law enforcement in uh, Columbia, Missouri. Uh, Don Weaver is going to be on board with us, and we'll uh, find out about the uh, review board and what's going on with that. Uh, in the meantime, Larry Wayland is in from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. And, of course, we've got Beltboy, the superbelt.com. Beltboy. He is the belt boy. Uh, but they are, so they are remarkable belts. Uh, and, he, and also, I uh, just want to remind you, if you want to contact us, uh, send a message. Go right to GaryNolan.com. It'll pop up in studio. Gabby Giffords is in the news. Uh, apparently, uh, they're going to Florida and open an office down there. Uh, she is really, uh, they got a ton of money. Uh, in a press release issued this week, she announced the creation of Giffords, Florida. She said this is a, a new initiative dedicated to supporting candidates for local, state, and federal office in the Sunshine State who have the courage to fight gun violence. Wow. Who, you really who, want to fight gun who's violence? Who's running on pro-gun violence? <laughs> yeah. Who are they? I mean, who, who runs on that ticket? That's... I'm, well, they would I'm, suggest I'm, I'm uh, any conservative. Violence. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, anybody uh, that's pro-gun is not pro-gun violence. Right. Uh, there's there's big difference uh, between being, you know, strict on crime and criminal activity and being, you know, constitutionally aware that the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, that the law-abiding citizens, you know, can legally own uh, firearms for protection and support and whatever reason they want because it's a God-given right and it's protected by the Constitution? Well, she, uh, she said this is uh, the first and only state-specific political initiative uh, and being the largest bi bilingual gun safety political program focused entirely on Florida. Uh, she's headquartered in D.C. where they have $5 million in assets. They have a law center in San Francisco, uh, which has more than $10 million in assets. And Giffords bankrolled the new Florida office with a million dollars, which they say will be spent on endorsing candidates with strong records on gun safety. You know, there is a problem that the left has, and I've noticed this over the years. They lie? Well, <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, what was the other problem? <laughs> well, the other problem is they never understand the definition of words. Correct. They, yeah. they, they always redefine things. For instance, in this case, strong record on gun safety. Well, for me, that means... Somebody who tells you that you should uh, keep your firearms locked in a safe when you're not home, uh, that you should take constant training, uh, that you should never point a gun at anybody. That I, that's what my idea of gun safety is. Yeah. Their idea of gun safety is wants to ban guns. Yeah, yeah. nobody nobody gets a gun. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's the like, only definition of gun safety. That doesn't seem, that doesn't seem like the definition of gun safety. Uh, Tim Oliver uh, taught me the uh, definition of gun safety. Not the Democratic Party. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she's uh, helping get out the vote for gun safety candidates. But, man, uh, she has really capitalized on that uh, horrible event uh, that happened to her. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I do think it was a horrible event. But she's capitalized on it and made a career out of it and is apparently generating literally tens of millions of dollars. It just something feels creepy about that to me. 
Well, anytime somebody wants to strip me of my constitutional rights, it, I feel pretty creepy about them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's not uh, not something somebody gets to do. Well, I'm trying. You you would hope not. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see where we at for time. Yeah, we've got time for this. After a three month long investigation into the gun manufacturing industry, in the wake of a string of mass shootings this year. House Oversight Committee Chairwoman Carolyn Maloney, Democrat from New York, is introducing two pieces of legislation targeting the manufacturers of AR-style rifles. The uh, proposed legislation includes a bill that would impose a 20% tax on the total revenue earned by manufacturers of AR-style rifles and high-capacity magazines and a bill that would require each firearm manufacturer to create and implement a system to track and analyze crimes committed with firearms they've sold. Larry? (laughs) Okay, so they understand it's a profitable industry and they see tax dollars and and want to tax it. How's that going to stop anything? I can't even wrap my head around that. Like, oh, we want want more safety. We're going to add taxes to the firearm purchase. Like, what does that do? I mean, All right. are they going to go after the criminals? It drives, drives the price up a little bit, but, yeah, you know, but that doesn't, that's, uh, not a, that's not a significant deterrent. No. Gary the liberal would say, well, if you can't afford it because the taxes are high, we'll have fewer firearms, fewer AR-15s uh, <laughs> circulating, uh, and fewer deaths as a result of it. Small price to pay to save a child's life. I don't, I don't like Gary Liberal. Yeah. That voice creeps me out. <laughs> I, again, just to follow that train of logic, it, it does not it does not meet. It does not make sense. That's just if they you know if they were really about the gun safety aspect, like that's just adding a tax. Just it doesn't make sense to me. It literally I can't wrap my head around how that's going to benefit anybody except for the politicians. They're going to get the money. Yeah. Five largest gun manufacturers in the United States didn't track crimes associated with their products. And that the industry earned more than a billion dollars. Did, did GM track uh, yeah. crowd, people GM, that were run over Ford, with their cars? Toyota? Yeah. Do they keep, they keep We were talking about that? that off the air. Yeah. Uh, vehicle deaths have outstripped gun deaths forever. And there's way more car, or, you know, there's way more guns in the United States than there are cars. But yet, more people are killed by cars every year than guns ever could come, up, come close to. Yeah. But they don't go after them. Why isn't GM having to track every person that's killed with their car and track that down? Well, the the question that because cars were not intended to be a murder weapon. (laughs) (laughs) Is that that Brian the liberal? (laughs) (laughs) Brian just jumps in on that. It's it's terrifying, Brian, when there are two uh, progressives on this program at once. Yeah, you guys' voices sound well, like you're giving away you, candy out of a van. Yeah. I thought you would, were going to jump in and tell him, <laughs> and you didn't. I feel really for uncomfortable. You, for those of you who are new to the program, uh, when I'm because progressives uh, don't like to debate, uh, and when they do, they don't make much sense. I I try on occasion. Uh, to stand up for them, and uh, <laughs> so I introduced this character, Gary the Liberal, who's sort of modeled after one of my closest friends, a progressive from Madison, Wisconsin. <laughs> uh, and we even had a caller this week that sounded like that. Right? Nice, <laughs> we did. We did. We had a progressive who called the show and oh was trying gosh. to 
Yeah, uh, and again, he didn't understand the definition of words either. <laughs> so that's, you'll have to listen. Where was, what was that, Friday? That was Friday, wasn't it? I can't it? even remember the subject matter, do you? Yeah, it was about uh, who won the election. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> and I said, I thought there was cheating. I don't know exactly how much. So what you're I'm, saying, Gary, is, is that you believe that the... Uh, Biden stole the election. No, no, I said I oh, don't know. No, that's what I sure. heard. That's that's what everybody heard. He's, that was he's really good at that. <laughs> yeah, that was the conversation. Nice. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, the Firearms Industry Fairness Act would mean that uh, family hunting rifle is not taxed at the same rate as an assault weapon. And would ensure the firearm industry, like other industries in America, takes responsibility for the safety and misuse of its products. Safety and misuse. Uh -huh. Huh. Yeah. Why am I responsible for someone's criminal misuse? Uh -huh. Well, what other product is, and I, and I could be wrong, but I can't think of another product where the manufacturer is responsible for somebody abusing the product. I don't think a single one. Yeah. Do we need to start putting disclaimers on the... On on the grips of every firearm. Yeah. If we did that, would we be out like? Oh yeah, a bigger, know, the, a bigger the, warning label. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the household was... chemicals. They all tell me like, don't drink this. Yeah. So I my tea with it. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> is that what we need to do? Would that get us around? If every Glock, the you know, yeah. uh, the magazine was just covered in warning labels, would that make us okay? Then would they leave us alone? Well, do you ever read <laughs> the yeah. warning labels? Just the one that said, "Don't drink this before I drink it." Yeah. <laughs> which, which no, you, never. Pretty much. Yeah, nobody reads. <laughs> nobody those, does. They pack those things with all these warnings. Yep. And it, it, even if I'm downloading something on my computer. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nobody's ever read the terms yeah, of use. Read, read those terms and conditions. <laughs> you know, they could the Constitution the to form our country was only <laughs> was only a page. Yeah. To use this free software, it's 75 pages. <laughs> and the print is so small. <laughs> all right. Uh, so anyway... Uh, the other part of this that I found uh, troubling is if they're going to be responsible for tracking how their firearms are misused, how could they possibly do that? Mm. I mean, you sell the gun. It's a mechanical device, not an electronic device. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and even if it were electronic, how would you know if it's being abused? Well, the, the law, you know, the lawmakers don't have to think through or even no. read the bill. They, they just have just, to pass the They stuff. just have to pass it, yeah. yeah. The uh, committee's report analyzed data related to 12 gun dealers that showed, quote, troubling gun sale patterns based on guns recovered in connection with crimes, 2014 through mid-2019, and traced back to these gun dealers. How, how do they know? You know, and I know, Larry, because I've been in your store, uh, if there's somebody that looks... Well, I, I generally visit each of our customers m on most days and, and, and check with them and see how they're doing and, and inspect their no, guns. No, but you reject customers. Oh, yeah. Because I had a hard time getting a gun out of there. <laughs> <laughs> We've got standards, Gary. Come on. <laughs> well, you know, we, we certainly use the, the instant criminal background check, but if something's not right about a transaction, all of our staff members have the ability to, to, to do a no-sale you know, based on customers' actions and, you know, things that, that don't look right. Yeah, and I appreciate you giving me the exception. <laughs> <laughs> a little touch and go there for a while. You're listening to Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. It is Gary on Guns. Glad to have you with us. We've got a story out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That's Well, it's kind of interesting when you uh, find a whole story out. It, it uh, kind of creeps me out. 
Uh, in the meantime, uh, Larry Wayland is Willis. Uh, is Willis is with us. <laughs> what you talking Ellis, about? Willis? What you talking about? Willis? Well, about Willis? if you take Ellis Bennis, <laughs> you take Ellis Bennis and Larry Wayland, and you mash those together. You get Willis. And, Willis. You get Willis. Willis. Yes. <laughs> I'll take uh, it. Anyway, uh, that is uh, the Bra- superbelt.com. <laughs> uh, nobody even mentioned the name of your store. Stop it. <laughs> we got show and tell coming up in a little while. Uh, we'll talk about law enforcement uh, in Columbia, Missouri, and uh, we'll do that uh, about uh, forty-five minutes from now. Sweet. But let me uh, let me chat with James here. He is on the line. James, welcome. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. Hey, thanks, fellas, for having me. Really enjoyed the program. Um, Great. You were men- you were mentioning. Um, the warning labels, and uh, it just got me thinking. Every box of ammunition, every firearm uh, that I've ever seen or purchased uh, has warnings in it. Um, I bought my eight-year-old a Daisy Red Rider BB gun, and there were uh, an instruction manual in there with all the warnings. And I'd drill it into his head before we ever got it. You know, three basic rules of gun safety, which, you know, you never point a gun at anything unless you intend to kill it. Always treat every gun like it's loaded and uh, know what you're shooting at and what's behind it. And, um, you know, he's been very safe with that. So I don't understand. Uh, it would take a deliberate act, I guess, uh, or, you know, pure stupidity because of lack of training. I personally would like to see a firearm safety unit in every middle school. Absolutely, uh, yeah. yes. Yeah, and I would like you to teach those lessons to Alec Baldwin <laughs> that you taught your son. Oh, yeah, and um, even my four-year-old can recite them because uh, it's, it was just so important to me that he learned those before he ever even touched uh, an air rifle. Yeah. Because if you follow those three rules, nothing bad will ever happen. You know, you make a lot of sense, James, a lot of sense. Thank you for the call. But having that added to the to the to the curriculum in, in schools would be so much more valuable for mm-hmm. for firearm safety than any of the the measures we've seen coming out of Congress currently. Do you remember that commercial where uh, and they, they only ran it for a short time, and I guess somebody woke up and went, "Egad, we can't do that." <laughs> but they were suggesting if a kid finds a firearm in the house, he should put it in a bag and bring it to school and give it to their to the faculty. <sighs> Wow, brilliant. Like, what a stupid idea. Yeah. They, they just come up with the damnedest ideas. This mm. was a um, really kind of a creepy story. Uh, and it didn't get really, really creepy until the end of the story. It's out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A family of three is now traumatized after they say a stranger broke into their home and the mother fatally shot him while defending her children. Mother of two asked uh, not to be identified. She was showering, uh, getting ready to go to work. When the children, ages 12 and 14, started screaming from the living room. Still dripping wet, she ran to her bedroom, (coughs) grabbed her gun, uh, and faced down a strange man who she claims broke into her home. The man charged, undeterred by her dogs, and she shot him in self-defense. It happened so fast. An adrenaline rush, she said. Uh, community activists helped clean up the house. Authorities removed the body. Uh, she was scared because her children were there. Frankly, she should have been scared whether they were there or not. I'm sure she would have been. Uh, police haven't identified the man. The mother uh, says he appeared to be in his late 30s and was acting erratically. 
So I thought that was creepy enough. I mean, you imagine somebody... So, traumatic is all get yeah, out, but yeah. thank goodness the, the good guys prevailed. Yeah, yep. that's awesome. Absolutely. So she's looking at moving out of the house, and I can, I can understand where you would want to do that under the circumstances, but here's the part that really uh, I thought was creepy. She bought the gun about 10 years ago after finding a man sleeping under her son's bed. No, 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 no. I would have moved 10 years ago. I would have moved a long time ago. What? Oh, my gosh. Uh, that is creepy. Yeah, time to get out of that neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know where you live, but yeah, <laughs> move move the next county over even. <laughs> Good oh. grief. Lord, that is just... I thought that that's just too much. I'd be out of there. Uh, let's see. That's the Smith & Wesson story. We don't have to do that one twice, do we? No. Mm, you know, <laughs> yay Smith & Wesson for standing up for gun rights. I like this uh, the, the story in The Atlantic... Uh, where they likened the Catholic rosary to an AR-15 rifle. I see that. <laughs> what? What? You don't see that all the time? Uh, all right, let me ask you something. You oh. see, you're making fun of me. Uh, and, and you're I'm making, making fun of you. I'm making you're making fun of, fun of, of the Atlantic. <laughs> well, look, what is the rosary made out of? Beads, right? Yeah. yeah. And when you're aiming at something, what do you say? You draw, draw a what? Draw a bead on it? Uh, see, okay. there you go. They are the same. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, a Wait a minute. So what, what's, the, <sighs> what's the connection, really? <laughs> what's that? I just gave it to you. That's as close as you're going to come to a real answer. <laughs> oh, PJ Media says, in the left's fantasy, America, right-wing Trump-supporting Christians armed to the teeth are just waiting for the next chance. Uh, the first one in uh, this insane scenario was on January 6th. Uh, to descend upon Washington, overthrow the duly elected and highly respected representatives of our democracy. Highly respected <laughs> representatives <laughs> of our democracy? <laughs> Used car salesmen have, have more uh, higher reputation than yeah. than our re re elected officials, don't they? <laughs> You're you're interrupting. Oh, the, sorry. You're interrupting the, the Democrats' fantasy world here. With, I was learning, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And institute a white supremacist Christian theocracy in which strong, independent women are reduced to baby-making handmaids, uh, and the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, qwerty types are. Subjected to psychologically destructive conversation therapy, uh, but it, it it's it's that it's that Catholic connection. Yeah. Hey, listen, we got show and tell coming up. We'll do that in just a few. You're listening to Gary on Gun.